Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 25 We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. I don't know whether I should ask you if you watched last night, but I do want to ask, have you recovered? Because I do I know. dare you. I do know that you what? stayed up to watch the whole Colorado game. So I'm not going to start with Thursday night football, which I know you didn't watch, which I'm no, not- no, no, no. I'm going to surprise you. You watched. I turned it on. Okay. And you saw the for, Giants for offense. a couple minutes, saw exactly what I thought I was going to see and then said, well, this is why I don't turn on Thursday night football. Even if it's a team I'm interested in, it's not a good game. I, I don't know what it is about Thursday night. It's either bad teams or bad games. When's the, how many good like how does the NFL know this is the crappiest game of the week? It was not a great game. I, I will tell you, having done this show with you for as long as we have now, I watch the Giants play football differently now. All I watch is their offensive line <laughs> because you why? Because you're point Keith, watching the offensive line. Could Just you watch and, everybody go through them? Because you and Keith have told me in many years that if if you put out trash cans, you would stop more than the Giants line does. And until that changes, the Giants will not win. And I put on the game last night after putting my kids in bed. I was a little bit late to it, mm-hmm. and I turned it on right at the moment that uh, Joey Bosa swallowed Daniel Jones. Before he barely got the drop back, and that was million my, dollar Jones. That was my look. I told you at the time. I love that deal as an Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. I'm all I'm all for that. But does he even have a chance with that team? Like, nope. he doesn't even get to set up. I, I will say though, this is the only smack talk that I could possibly do today. Okay. At, at least when Daniel Jones got up, yeah. his jersey his jersey wasn't crooked. Oh, yeah. We'll get to the Eagles and their uh, fanatics crooked jerseys. Why can't we get there now? Why Why can't somebody explain to me why fanatics doesn't look at what they print before they start sending it out? Well, they are now. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, all these leagues are going over to fanatics. Obviously, it's cost effective for them. This has been a disaster. Wasn't it last year that the Sixers had like a special jersey but couldn't get it printed for everybody? Well, yeah, the, bla- the back orders of the jerseys. I mean, everybody. How? How could that possibly be? I don't understand because, I mean, look, again, how long have we been doing this show? How long have I been talking about the Kelly Green jerseys, Jeff? Did you not know as a Giants fan that it was going to be a thing? Apparently, the only people who didn't know are fanatics. I don't get it. And, and where and where is Fanatics based? Locally. I mean, where, where did, okay, so uh, they can't even in, in in a hometown get this right. I don't know. Everybody's apparently paying attention to other things. Can we? Do- yeah, I've I've heard from at least one person who th- you know is expecting his jersey in October. Who's a little worried about whether it's going to come and whether it's coming right. It, this is just a thing. That it, it he's expecting in in October that he ordered it in like August that he was hoping oh, to have at the, the start day of the season. That, the day yes. that they announced it and they went on sale. Yeah, they the were back day ordered. They announced it. They were back ordered before they even went on sale. What, the, what was what was sent out now though? I wasn't clear. Are they jerseys or are they jerseys? No, they're uh, they're jerseys. There were there were problems Oy. with the jerseys. I think. Um, wow. Yeah, I've seen it online. It's, it's really hard. By the way, the one that I saw was hurt. It's really hard to get a one 
not crooked. I mean, come on. Uh, come they, on. They, they found a way. Yeah, that's that's what baffles me. One of the things with last night's game uh, that already is apparent, the injuries uh, in the NFL this season, Saquon Barkley now with a high ankle sprain, not what you want to see there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not just him. There's injuries all over the NFL to start the season. Well, yeah, the Cowboys, the Cowboys just you know, their defense took a huge hit. Yes, as long as Micah Parsons is back there, they're okay. But Diggs losing the season, that's huge for the Cowboys. Absolutely. Look, if you just go over, you've got Joe Burrow. We'll see if he plays with the calf. Bryce Young with his ankle. Anthony Richardson with the concussion, which you talked about before the season about rookie quarterbacks getting thrown out there. Uh, you got Avante Maddox with the Eagles with the torn pack. Concussions left and right. Nick Chubb with the horrific knee injury. That was ugly. Um, lots of hamstring and thigh injuries that have guys out. It's It's been a battle of attrition early in the season, especially for the running backs. Before we actually talk to the real ga- about the real games, how does this affect your fantasy football team? Um, I'm surviving so far. So you, so you did not take Nick Chubb with your first pick. I did not have Nick Chubb, but I do have Austin Eckler on a, I have two teams this year down from my high of many years ago. Um, I'm enjoying just focusing on two teams, except for one of them kind of sucks. So I'm kind of wishing I had more to focus on, <laughs> but, but Austin Eckler's injury has been the most significant for me, but you look at some of these teams. I mean, you talk about it, that Dallas defense is their calling card. Trayvon Diggs is, is the guy there. I mean, yes, Micah Parsons, but that's a huge hit to have to make up down there. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how you make it up. I, I, I don't know. Is Jordan Lewis even still there? I guess he fills in on that side. I, gonna have I don't know. to for a little bit uh, you know people are but, watching though i mean people are watching the games through two oh, weeks oh you're going to ratings now oh i've got plenty we're, of time we're talking about we, we have games to talk about we have injuries to talk about and you want to talk about ratings i actually wanted to talk about the bears too okay go <laughs> have go you watched what is there to talk about the bears are a train wreck have you watched the week that the bears have had from oh you don't have to watch it listen to justin listen listen to watch an entire organization find as many buses to throw other people under as humanly possible it's like it's literally like a preschool the number of buses they have out there to throw people under you know i've worked in in the media in a prior lifetime anytime Mm -hmm. you have to come out for the second time to clarify your comments you know that the first ones didn't go well that's the first rule of this all but look i've got my quarterback here talking about when like when did winning become the most important not become the most important thing and then you look at chicago and they ask the quarterback why you're robotic and he goes coaching and they've got their left tackle on IR. Their D coordinator resigns. They, they got problems there in Chicago. I mean, look, Justin Fields has, has like, people thought he was going to get to the NFL. Somehow he was going to take the NFL by storm. There was no evidence that that was going to happen. But when you have the Bears organization, which cannot put together any stability whatsoever, how can you expect a quarterback to succeed? I mean, like every team needs to learn that lesson and they can't there's an impatience level and what and what what's happening with the bears not that anybody here cares about it but the problem with the bears is now you have a new group of people who didn't draft justin fields so they don't care what's amazing to me is you heard people i don't know if you watched mike tannenbaum said before the draft repeatedly what the bears should do is trade field for a number one pick 
go out and draft whichever one of these quarterbacks from the last draft, maybe Bryce Young, whatever, and then build around him. Start over and build around him, which made perfect sense and makes even more sense because the organization clearly was never committed to him. So if they weren't committed to him from the outset, why did they just stay stagnant and allow this to happen? That's absolutely the question. I mean, it's a, it, it's kind of it's funny. It's it's like Shohei with it, it, with the Angels. Like they wanted. Oh, to go we get all to, in. we get to talk about that in a bit. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I mean, they wanted to go all in, and then they got rid of everybody, and they got nothing for it. Same type thing. All of a sudden, now his value is down in Justin Fields, and when you watch him, he can say it's coaching. But when you watch the tape, there's guys wide open. He's just not seeing them so yes there are problems organizationally and problems with the health of players but it seems like he's not seeing the field as well with some of the guys open was justin fields in the same draft as trey lance why do you ask me these questions while we're live I'm, on I'm the thinking radio so but it but it is amazing the number of high quarterback draft picks that have not worked out in recent years and yet you have the guy who's mr irrelevant who looks like he's on his way to it's like taking the team deep into the playoffs again if he stays healthy. Do you think he's legit? Yes. It, now, but, yeah, but hold on. What is the definition of legit? He be, do I think that he's Tom Brady? He being Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Yes. Uh, so do I think and, he's legit? And, I think he's a quarterback who can take a great team to a Super Bowl and win. And, and that's that's what you need. You don't need him to be Tom Brady. I don't like the term game manager, but he has a ton of talent around him. If you are a young quarterback and you can have Christian McCaffrey and you can have Debo Samuel and you can have George Kittle and have a great offensive line and have a great defense on top of it and have a really good coaching mind like Shanahan, how 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 did Trey Lance not succeed? Trey Lance, by the way, was in that same draft. Trevor Lawrence went one, Zach Wilson two, Trey Lance three, Justin Fields eleven. So that wow. Was, so the four top three of the four top quarterbacks have have just been a disaster. You mean the the Zach Wilson round two with the Jets isn't quite exciting you? <laughs> I've i felt for my Jet fan friends watching that game against Dallas. But so you know, I talked to some people and they're like, "Wow, the Jets fans must be devastated." And I go, "No, I'm not surprised." If you're, if you're a true Jets fan, you're devastated for about three seconds, followed by the reality of, "I'm a Jets fan. This is what happens to me every year." Like for every Philadelphia fan who always thinks the sky is falling, you've won a World Series. You've been back to the World Series. You won a Super Bowl. Okay, forget the Stanley Cup for a while. Dang. The Sixers have been in the playoffs for a long time, although they haven't won a championship in most people's lifetime. If you're a Jets fan, there is that's the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the sky is five feet. That is that is the stratosphere five feet okay. for the Jets. So you don't anybody in the, in the Jets? redemption uh, understandably now without Aaron Rodgers who apparently mm -hmm. wants to try and come back to play in the playoffs if they make it there we'll see about that uh, do you believe in the Baker Mayfield redemption because Eagles fans will get to see that on Monday night in Tampa Bay and he started off the season playing well and yes he's got Mike Evans and he's got weapons but he doesn't have the weapons that Brock Purdy has in San Francisco no. I, I believe that Baker Mayfield can be a above average quarterback 
That's it with the with the right coaching. And right now he's being put in this situation with the right coaching. Well, and you talk about coaching. The offensive line there has allowed one sack so far in the first two games. And mm-hmm. they've they've had almost 34, 33 and a half carries a game behind that offensive line. So they're letting him take shots when he wants to, but they're letting him manage the game without having to do too much. You know, he plays he's also not he's also not committing the quarterback sin of holding on to the ball too long. That, that that is the death death knell of every quarterback is if you if you are indecisive in the pocket and you don't make your decision and if you don't have a decision you make you don't get rid of the ball and don't take a loss it's a disaster baker mayfield right now is getting rid of the ball when he needs to get rid of the ball and when he has time he's taking the time looking down the field and making smart decisions he's not going to be an all pro quarterback he he didn't warrant the pick that he was but I think we're long past with Baker Mayfield worrying about whether or not he lived up his, his potential, especially when you see quarterbacks drafted in, in successive years that have just been a disaster. Zach Wilson is a disaster. <laughs> his cockiness coming into the NFL was not warranted in the least bit. He's being put in his place, though. You know, this, so obviously we'll see. How- I don't see any humility. Do you? Well, no, but you know the game will. Okay, so he's game, not being put in his way. He's being knocked down, but he's he doesn't seem to be learning from it. He didn't learn from the lessons of last year, from what we're seeing now. No, it doesn't look like. And then look, I mean, they've played two tough defenses to start. It's early. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. He didn't get the time in in camp for anything. The Eagles' defense is where they have more injuries. What should my concern level be as an Eagles fan, do you think, as a non-partial observer, uh, given that Avante Maddox is now out with the pack? But it looks like James Bradbury will come back and Reed Blankenship will be back, uh, still down from the Kobe Dean uh, on the IR for right now. But what are your thoughts? And who's the quarterback of the other team? Well, they're going against Baker Mayfield. You mean Jalen okay. Hurts? Uh, no. My my point is it's Baker Mayfield. I just told you he can be an above average quarterback. He's not a superstar. The Eagles don't have to worry about Baker Mayfield without Avante Maddox. They should be fine. And Tampa Bay's defense isn't what it used to be. No. It's not bad, but it ain't what it they, used to be. And and the Eagles the Eagles should win this by 10. They've got eight sacks defensively already, but they're playing a rookie mm-hmm. at nickel corner, and and you know you would think that between Devontae and AJ, I, I saw it. I know that AJ came out yesterday and said that he and the quarterback are fine. I told you at the time I didn't really care about the argument on the sidelines. Are we just making this into something that because it's the first time he talked a week later, it's still a story? I really don't understand why this is a story. For all of our lifetimes, you have seen wide receivers and quarterbacks go out. You just didn't have cameras all over the place. It is not that big a deal. It was a bigger deal when Stefan Diggs did it because it was in the playoffs and and then carried it over to the offseason. The fact that a, a wide receiver goes to a quarterback and probably says, give me the ball, is the story of the NFL since it's since they went pass happy. So if you start to see it continue, then you worry about it. You should have zero level of worry at this point. I'm curious what they do in terms of the running back rotation, because you're going to have Gainwell back and Swift had an excellent game last week. You know, who do they feature and how do they do that? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think you do that. I think that what you do is, is 
you run your 15 plays or whatever they were, whatever their set number of plays is, and you start to see who's got the hot hand. You, you, you were lucky enough to have different kinds of running backs. None of them are superstars, but each has its own, each, each individual has his own set of skills and you have to see how the Tampa Bay defense plays each one of them. So I don't think, I don't think you worry about that with this team. The thing I am enjoying watching is Jalen Carter on defense. He is an earth mover. 11 quarterback pressures, 59 snaps so far. Uh, watching him and Jordan Davis there in the center, that, that could be fun to watch for Eagles fans for a while now. Yeah, you're going well, to start to see whether Baker Mayfield does get rid of the ball as quickly as he has been in the last couple of games when he has this kind of pressure on him. I don't think he's experienced yet under that offense what this defense is going to do to him. Uh, I know you don't care about the XFL and USFL merging. You don't care about offseason football. They're still around? They are. They're going to merge. They will go from eight teams each to 16 teams, apparently. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, we didn't get to it last week. Uh, Jim Trotter filed a lawsuit against the NFL. And you and I have, have had a lot of uh, interviews with people, the rise of the black quarterback, uh, talking about black coaches, there are some accusations in this lawsuit. And I, I look, you're the lawyer, you know, people say things in lawsuits. So you can explain to me how to lawsuit... prove it. Exactly. So they have right. to prove it. Mm -hmm. But does some of this kind of reflect the things that we have heard in our interviews with people, whether or not the words themselves are accurate? In particular, what? Tell, tell, me, tell me what you've seen in the lawsuit that you're worried about. And, I, and I'll give you... I really haven't focused too much on the lawsuit, so it's sort of some of the stuff that's been said about um, that you know if black players don't like it here, they can go back to places like I get it. Pagula, the Bills owner, denies it um, vehemently, but I, I mean, I just we've talked so much about the progress that's been made in certain areas and the progress that's still to be made in other areas, whether it be ownership or general managers or or different things and then you see a lawsuit like this come out and is this just is it a reflection of the conversation that's going on or? if if the lawsuits the, the allegations turn out to be facts you shouldn't be surprised by it is the way that i would put it i mean one of the things that came from our discussion a few weeks ago about black quarterbacks is that it was never that the quarterbacks necessarily evolved the talent the intelligence was always there it was that the, the perception and the people who were in charge had to evolve, right? And, and so it does not surprise me that this still exists. It, unfortunately for all of us, will always exist. The question of whether or not it will deteriorate enough that we don't have these issues is what you can hope for. You're never going to change everybody. I wish you could, but you're never going to change everybody's mind. But the fact is, in the last 10 years, we have had owners say despicable things. We have had own, we've now had owners that have basically been pushed out of ownership. The Phoenix Suns owner before that, it was the Clippers owner. Going back a little bit of time that people may not remember, the Reds had March Schott, who said all sorts of despicable things. And so you have had these stories. I think it was, was it Cam Newton that was once in it when he was interviewed, when he was getting drafted 
there, there was some quarterback who was interviewed and the questions were just offensive that yeah. he was being asked. I don't remember which quarterback it was, but I remember that. Yes. Remember so there are always going to be people like that. The hope is, is that the more people of influence and who have the power can change the dynamic. It's not going to change if it's, if it's one group of people that are basically controlling the situation and don't really understand other people. It doesn't necessarily mean in every instance that people are doing it on purpose. It sometimes it's just that people are naive. People have not been exposed to other people. And so you kind of unfortunately stick with your own. No, it's, I just think it's something to watch. Obviously there are allegations. Uh, if I'm the NFL, I think they may want to make it go away. They seem to like to do that sometimes. With, well, isn't that that isn't that what the NFL likes to yeah, do all the time? I mean, that seems to let's be... just make it go away. The question is whether or not Goodell can actually deal with the issues instead of just making it go away. The best way to make it go away deal is with to make issues. it not come up, deal with it, and, and then it doesn't come back again. Yeah, make it not keep happening, and then you won't have lawsuits to have to deal with. Make uh, it go into whispers; it doesn't go away. Somebody who is changing the game, uh, as your son is right in the middle of it all, as a fan in Colorado, is Deion Sanders. Talk to me, uh, again, I, I started the show with this, but you told me you weren't ready to talk about it. Have you recovered from staying up until nearly 3 o'clock in the morning to watch a no, still tired. 12 football still game? Still tired. Yeah, the, the, I'm kind of glad the Pac-12 is going away because it's really hard to watch at that time. Uh, it, 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 was, it was an incredibly exciting game, though. It, it was, look. I, it shouldn't have been. They were, what, 20-point favorites? It, it should not have been. It was but, bonkers. I mean, as, as Captain Ratings likes to point out, somehow Colorado went from a team that won one game last year and has been a perennial loser into a team that three, as you pointed out to me, three out of the five highest-rated college football games this year are University of Colorado games. They drew 9.3 million people to watch that game on Saturday night. Before that, Colorado-Nebraska drew 8.7 million people. The game peaked at 11 o'clock with 11 million people watching. How does that compare? The typical mm-hmm. Pac-12 after-dark game generally gets between 1 and 2 million people to watch those games. It's just the growth is unbelievable. And, it, and, it, and it's going to get crazier. Look, I don't think Colorado has a chance this weekend against Oregon in Oregon. Especially but, without Travis Hunter, which that was a dirty hit. Right. But but if... Shouldn't have gotten death threats about it, but that was a dirty hit. Right. But if Colorado hangs in there, the ratings for this game are going to be through the roof. So... Colorado's now sold out all their tickets at home for the first time in the 100-year history. They ran, The university ran a report. So remember they said, we don't know how we're going to come up with $30 million to pay his contract? Yeah. Three games in, they think that the added media coverage to the university is worth $90 million. A quarter of all of ESPN's social media engagement has come from posts about Colorado. So did it's you, not... Did you, did you see what was going on there last weekend? They had Fox Big Noon Saturday, which wasn't covering the game. They were there for it. They had ESPN game day all day because the game was at at 10 o'clock our time at night. So it was all day long. And then on Sunday, the the uh, premiere of um, 60 Minutes was Deion Sanders. You didn't even talk about all the celebrities that were on the sideline 
to watch oh, the, the game. The Rock, and yeah, it was it was endless. The, the the he has turned this into something that nobody could have imagined, even with his celebrity. So you don't think that that's the way it's going to be at noon for kickoff tomorrow for Rutgers, Michigan? We won't have all those people on the sideline waiting to watch. Uh, I'm guessing John game Harbaugh's, isn't there for that Jim Harbaugh's game. return to the sidelines so his players no, can I'm, stop. I'm sure that'll be covered, but no, I don't think anybody really wants to hear Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, nobody really cares. Actually, no. the most expensive ticket this weekend is Notre Dame-Ohio State. It's 640 bucks to get into a ticket uh, at Notre Dame Stadium, and they're trying very hard not to get Ohio State fans in there. You know, there are, there are very few games, especially college football, that I can't watch and then find somebody to root for. You can't find anybody to root for. I can't. <laughs> I can't. There's just no- <laughs> I did want to ask you. So we've talked a lot about conference realignment. We've talked with ADs. We've talked with reporters. We've talked with lots of people. This week we saw that the Pac-2, the remaining two, which, by the way, the Pac-12 is having its best season ever as they're about to go out the door, Talked about potentially combining with the Mountain West to have some type of promotion relegation system going on. You for or against said promotion? There is no way that you could do this. Think think about the repercussions of doing this because it's already as close to the Wild West as you're going to get. If it's going to then be a question of the top, let's say a top 25, top 40, whatever they want to do is, is the top tier and you can move in or out and how much money you will lose by moving that it will be insane. The amount of trouble that will be going on teams that are scratching and clawing to go to, I mean, think about it. If you're relegated down in college football, think about the amount of money you would lose as a Uh result. Yeah. It, I mean, and we're yes, we know co- we're not naive. We know that college sports is about money. But if you turn it into that, there's nothing left. You just have to get rid of it and remove it from colleges. And if you want to call them the Scarlet Knights, go ahead. But you're not part of the college. You can call it Michigan, but you're not part of the college because you, you just can't do You You can try this with professional sports and I'm OK with it. I am not OK with doing this in college sports. Are you more excited that Michigan plays Rutgers and you get to blow up my phone with score updates or that Colorado? No, because look, I, I, because I'm not the kind of person who thinks that they're going to win by that amount. Ever. Only this year. Only never. This year. Oh. I'm never going to be like that. My phone... I was at the Appalachian State game. Nothing will ever make me go into a Michigan football game ever confident again. With all due respect, I am still getting score. Oh, we'll see. You know, once you said you with were... all due respect, you mean it means nothing after <laughs> for, that. From but the go game for that you went when they beat us 72 to something. I'm still... Oh, I blew you up while I was there. Yes. Not before. Oh, there I was assume... no cockiness beforehand. I ass... no, 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 you don't talk beforehand because you right. see as much as you say. I I'm the worrier of the show, and I am. Uh I admit that. When it Uh comes to Michigan, you lack confidence with Michigan. So you will worry before the game, and then get your confidence will grow as the game goes on. But you will never believe it's done. Once it became like 50 to nothing, yeah, my confidence grows. You didn't think Rutgers was coming back at that point? Yeah, I didn't didn't see a big comeback. (laughs) Well, speaking of comebacks, let's go back. Let's go to the Phillies. Let's leave football there. Let's go to the Phillies, who continue to come back, and then the bullpen continues to give me heartburn. Uh, 
we've talked about it. They're 84 and 69 now. They're 10 and 10 in September, but they've won five of their last seven. They are three games up on the Diamondbacks for the first wild card spot. Their magic number for the postseason is four for the wild card is five. They're going to make the playoffs. Am I just having false hope that they can outslug people before the arms blow it to even like buy into this? Are you talking about getting into the playoffs or once they're in the playoffs? Because you, you can't possibly be worried at this point no, that they're th- not getting No, they're in. going to make the playoffs. Right. But they're likely going to major collapse. They're likely going to play Arizona in the first round. So you have to hope that the Marlins or the Cubs kind of are in it towards the end. So Zach Gallen has to pitch in that game right. 162, 161 or 162 so he doesn't open the series against the Phillies. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think they have any left-handers in their lineup, so it would be like a Phillies right-handed lineup that they would be facing with pitchers. But Arizona's a tough matchup to start, and then they would have to play the Braves, and then they would have to play the winner of the Dodgers and whoever out West. That's no, I, the right. I don't think I'm too worried about the first series. I am worried about them having to play the Braves. Um, but the, the Phillies seem to keep experimenting, and now with, what, 10 games left, they're still experimenting. That concerns me. Like you, you should have an idea of how you want to do this. This whole, I saw the other day, somebody proposing this piggyback system, which is what's kind of what they did do in the minor leagues where you have two starters each game. Yeah. How's that working but, out? I'll give you Lorenzen's stats in a minute. Well, that's the problem is, is <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work. Lorenzen has, he had two amazing games when he got here and he's been a train wreck since. Since his no hitter, he's got a 9.23 ERA allowing eight home runs, Uh, he had allowed 12 all season before that. He's got as many strikeouts as walks since the no hitter. And I think I had seen something that he's already over his innings pitched in his history. So I guess it's not terribly surprising, but I don't see how you can piggyback with somebody who can't piggy. (laughs) It it wasn't a surprise. Look, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a manager when you have a new guy on your team or anybody on your team who is pitching and has a chance at a no hitter, but at the same time, you know that this is way over what he should be pitching historically. He was over historically what he had ever pitched the game before in his first game as a Philly. And he came back in this next game went beyond that. And you just, again, I don't know what I would have done in that case, but I do know that my thought was as he went into the eighth and ninth inning, it, are we going to regret this by yes. letting him pitch? Yes. And we have. And I don't know if it's just because he did that in those two games. But he is, as you said, historically over his innings pitch. And when that happens, unfortunately, the arm starts to go. And what you're seeing with him is he has lost control, like complete control. If you're if you're walking about the same number of batters as your pit, you're striking out, I don't know how you can keep him. And I don't know what you do at this point. Like you have two more starts with him to figure it out at best. If he's pitching like this, I don't know how you put him on the postseason roster. That's the, that's the concern is what do you do? But again, they don't have anybody in the minor league. Who are you going to bring up? True. What else? Uh, I mean, I guess you you could bring up Connor, Connor Brogdon's down there. Right. I mean, I don't know who else they can. Orion. They moved him up to AAA. Who? The o- Orion Keckinger. 
the guy we talked with last week. You you think that no, they're going to bring up a guy? I don't think they're going to, but I think that they're having a problem mixing and matching to get this done. And whether it's the inconsistent, if you look at it overall, the bullpen's ERA is three point seven. Kimbrel saved twenty three of twenty six. But mm-hmm. you watched the game last night. He gets men on base. He doesn't even pay attention. There was a runner on first who took two bases to third without Kimbrel even looking. He even said, I'll take a timer delay or I'll let somebody go if it means I'll make the pitch. Yeah, I get that. But if you put runners in second and third when you're only down one run, you're setting yourself up for a razor-thin margin for success. He got out of it last night. But how many high leverage situations can you put yourself in where you keep getting out of it? I have no faith in anybody in the bullpen. Nobody. There, There is nobody that I sit there and go, when they come in, this lead is safe. And you're lucky that you have. Can you imagine if Trey Turner didn't come around the second half of the season? Can you imagine if Bryce Harper's power didn't come back and he didn't come back as early as he did so that he'd get himself into form for the situation? Lucky. This would... For on his- top of lo- having lost Hoskins, I mean, you're seeing people wear down. I was shocked the, uh, yesterday to see that Castellanos got to 100 RBIs. Not only I'm 100 RBIs, but I'm shocked. Not only 100 RBIs, he's up to 28 home runs. He could hit 30 yeah. home runs after the season he had last year. Who would have expected that? Not me. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> not at all. Now, the the person who continues to struggle is JT. He's hitting 248 at the plate. I mean, his defense mm-hmm. is still pretty solid, but. You know, in the lineup, he he has struggled, and and well, and Stott's starting to struggle. He had that clutch hit, but but he's really struggled over the last couple of weeks as well. It's a lot to ask these young guys though to keep that going. Now, Alec Bohm, I mean, he's at 18 home runs with 93 RBIs. You were one of the first people that got to interview him after he was drafted. That that was not what people were saying about him when he was drafted. No, look, everybody thought he was going to have much more power than he has. Um, he's actually turned out my expectation of him has been lowered so much. He's a better um, third baseman that, than you thought he that I'm now sitting there going, okay, now I like having him on my team. Like I would I have preferred if they went out and got an expensive free agent third baseman? Or would I have preferred they trade for Nolan Arenado at the deadline? Yes. But I'll take him. He's he's not a problem compared to what the problems are. I just Last year was magical until you got to the World Series, obviously. But last year was something incredibly special. I don't know how you can recreate that kind of emotion again. And I don't know if they have the pitching to get them back, even if they do have that kind of magic. It's the pitching that concerns me. I mean, look, we had House Nick on last week. Uh, You know, it's... He texted you after. he no has <laughs> he has faith in Nola. What did you see in Nola the other night? Same he thing as normal. Three really good innings, and then that it all just falls apart for him. Yeah, the innings. innings how does that happen? Five, innings four and five are maybe somebody should just let him know it's the third inning again or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like telling Schwarber that it's always June. <laughs> like, you just kind of have to let him it's, know. It's it's just such a I. I don't have faith in him. After all these years, there's just something about Nola that I just don't have faith in him being. He's your second right now. He's your second starter. His last six starts last season, heading into the playoffs, he has a he had a two point three six ERA. His last six starts this season, heading into the playoffs, he has a four point six ERA. 
So you can feel about him how you want, want the nostalgia to come back. I hope he's the big game pitcher that's ready. But the numbers show that he's still trying to figure something out compared to last year and not going in with the same confidence that he had in prior years. Now, luckily for the Phillies, nobody seems to want to make the playoffs in the wild card chase (laughs) (laughs) between the Cubs and the Marlins. It's it's pretty amazing. You you literally, I mean, I open the wild card standings every day and I'm surprised. Like it, it really is amazing that everybody seems to be losing at once. Like nobody is taking the Phillies haven't exactly played great baseball over the last 20 games or so. They just had everybody else and have just maintained. It seems easily this two and a half game, three game lead in the wild card. Yeah. I've been surprised by that. Uh, I do have to ask you. And uh, and by the way, you look at the American league. You want to see something crazy that's going on. You have the Rangers that you have, you have the Astros and you have the Mariners that are all within half game of each other. And one of them may not actually make the playoffs. And you if the have Jays play well. And as we've discussed on this show, you have a stake in that. So you are watching that very, very closely. Very, very closely. I can only imagine the communications between you and your friends about you and your friend about the Rangers after each game. And the way that it sets all up all those teams play each other. So like Texas plays Seattle, Seattle plays Houston. Yeah, but let's face it. How could the, the Texas Rangers somehow have had this really good season, but lost their best pitcher at the beginning of the season in DeGrom? They traded for Scherzer, lost him for the season. They had a rookie third baseman who was setting the world on fire. They lost him for the season. The Rangers can't. I'm not worried about what if they even if they make the playoffs. I'm not worried about the Rangers making making the World Series. They're not beating the Astros. So in, you think the that you're safe on your bet? I think I'm. Yeah, this is this year. I am not fretting on that bet. <laughs> What does your friend? Say? What does your friend? That say will not that? be something I lose sleep over. Other than the sure. fact that your friend is disguised is is surprised that this is a discussion topic on the show. What, <laughs> what do they say about your For, almost forty years later? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What do they say about your uh-huh. confidence that you don't have to worry? Do they think it's overblown? <laughs> Or are they just like, oh, it's done. No, I got other things to worry about. All right. I got Michigan. I got Michigan against Rutgers to worry about. You do. I expect text Mm -hmm. messages to start coming in just after noon when the game starts. Uh, Do you have a confidence level in that? How do you feel? First game Harbaugh's playing. I know you don't think that they've actually played that well. I think you like a Michigan fan. I think you had said to me that if you were betting, you would actually take Rutgers with the amount. Oh, I would take the points. Yeah, Yeah, I would definitely take the points. Uh, So you just don't think, do you not think that this team is that good at Michigan? Do you not think they've played up to it? What what is your confidence level? Rutgers comes in three and oh, I actually do think they're that good. I actually think that this Michigan team is better than the last two years that they've made the playoffs. Um, but they still have Harbaugh as a coach. Okay. And and I have watched him tinker and think he's smarter and then go conservative and then worry. And it's just, look, he is a great coach, but he's I worry about it. And there's hundreds of thousands of other people that are grateful that he's made the program back to what it was, but worry about the decision-making that happens in that game. I will never be able to get over that he was on the goal line in in a college football playoff and used a linebacker to try to run the ball into the end zone. You wear your scars. 
Yeah, well, they are they are open wounds. <laughs> oh, they're not scars. They're they're still no. Open they are they are open healed. wounds that will never heal. Uh, why don't we? So we've got about five minutes. What we're going to do towards the end of the show, uh, we have an interview that we did a couple years ago with Julie Ertz as she played her last game last night, retiring from the U.S. Women's National Team. Julie Ertz, uh, Women's World Cup champion. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. How uh, how special is it to, again, hear those words, Women's World Cup champion? Um, it doesn't get old, I can tell you that. What, what was what was the experience like over there this Wouldn't it be time? funny if she said it did? Yeah, right? I mean, it'd be great if she like, stop saying it. It's not nothing. Yeah. What was it like over there, though? I mean, we saw the, the France game. The tickets were going for like $11,000. Did you guys know how crazy people were going outside of where you were playing? Or were you kind of in your own bubble, in your own world there? Um, I mean, you kind of create a bubble for the most part. I mean, you kind of have to because it's such a crazy tournament during the time. But um. Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane. I think I went in going to, like, you know, we're in Europe. I was like, we might not have a home crowd like we did in 2015 because Canada's a lot easier to get to. Um, but I was actually absolutely shocked and amazed at how many fans we had um, in every single game. Obviously, the France game was um, more so 50-50, um, and that was crazy insane and kind of to hear that. But it was really cool. I mean, we, we felt the – um, the support and kind of like the craziness that was going on over there. And we knew that was going to be a huge game. Even even though you grew up outside of Philadelphia, you have become a Philadelphian and Philadelphia seemed to have embraced you. Did you know what was going on back here in Philadelphia? I mean, I, I personally went to uh, one of the bars that show soccer games uh, and it was packed for every one of the Women's World Cup games. Um, that's awesome. Um, well, our, Zach's mom and his brother they were all out there as well. So they went to a bunch of, of bars as well and was telling me. So I had I had an insight as well because they, they joined in the festivities out there too. So you get out there, you, you get through the, the tournament, you, you win, you, you hoist the trophy again. What's the celebration been like since? What What is that like for you afterwards? You've tried so hard, you've gotten um, everything ready, and, and now it just ends. Yeah, you know, it's so I mean, it was such an amazing experience. we got to come back. We get a t- ticker tape parade in... Um, in New York, um, and then flew to LA, and then we had the Aspies, and so it was, it was just like a crazy whirlwind for sure. But it, um, it kind of doesn't take um, too long for um, for you kind of to want more. And so I think I think someone told us today that we're 26 days uh, from the from that final. So uh, yeah, I mean now it's kind of crazy because then you're kind of already on to the Olympics. That's only about a, I think less than a year away now. So uh, it's kind of crazy how it switches already. What's the most fun thing that you had an opportunity to do as a result of winning the World Cup that you never thought that you would be able to do? I'm, oh, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> He's good at um, that. I know. I'm trying to think of what I've never done that. Um, we were able to have dinner on a yacht, which was really cool. I've never done that. That was cool. That's kind of fun. Um, yeah. The, the growth, I, I had talked, uh, we had, oh, I did want to ask, we had JP Della camera on a few weeks ago. Do you ever listen back to the calls of your goals when you score? Do you ever, do you ever do that? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I just, I, I love the, the way that some of the calls were and, and how it went. I just never knew whether players actually go back and, and look at that. You know, we're a highlight society. I didn't know whether that gets back to you. Now you're, you're back and, you know, you guys are back to your, your teams with the, the women's soccer league. Um, you know, I follow the, the team in Jersey, of course, and they're actually talking about moving the, the game 
with Carly Lloyd's team, the uh, the Sky Blue and, and Megan Rapinoe's team up to Red Bull Stadium because they may not be able to hold it with capacity at Yersac Field there. Uh, any thoughts on how the excitement from the World Cup has transferred over to the Women's League? Yeah, it was tremendous. I mean, I'm in, I got dropped in Chicago, still in Chicago, and um, it was absolutely amazing. It was, um, it was I'm trying to think, uh, we had 17,000 plus um, fans there. It was an electric um, crowd. It was amazing. I mean, we had amazing attendance across the entire NWSL. So just the support and the continued support has been huge. Um, obviously, the NWSL is, is so awesome to have, to be able to, you know, have young girls dream about playing professionally in their country is, is huge. And so it's been great, um, especially from coming back and the continued support. You're also not only playing back on the Red Stars, but you're also going to be going on this tour, the Victory Tour, um, which is going to be here, I believe, on August 29th. What's it What's it like to, to know that you're going on this Victory Tour and you're playing in places like Lincoln Financial Field in front of a bunch um, of your home people? Yeah, it's so cool to be able to come back, kind of bring the trophy back and um, celebrate all the girls just for um, all the hard work and I mean, the tournament's such a long, and it, it, we had such difficult games. Like, it was just such a really special time. And to be able to come back and really celebrate that and obviously celebrate Jill as this would be, like, her last few games. So it's just, like, a collective, obviously huge experience. And I think for me, even have the possibility to play at the link where I'm a fan and a spectator there cheering on my husband. When, I, when we found out, we were, <laughs> we were ecstatic because I obviously – um, I love playing where the Philadelphia Union play. Um, it's a great area, a great stadium as well. But um, always, you know, in the back of my head, kind of dreamed about being able to be on the field and see what it was like at the link. So um, it's going to be a really special moment for my family. Are you going to be able to get Zach tickets? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he takes the cut, but uh, we'll see. see. I, I think they played the Jets that night. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if he knows anybody. They've actually, I don't know if you know, they've sold, I think, 36,000 tickets to that game already. Maybe you can practice the the end zone celebration after you score a goal like Zach does. Show him up a little oh, bit. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, if I score during that game, it'll be more than just a celebration. It, it, <laughs> it will uh, it will certainly be fun, and I'm sure plenty of people will show it to him whether he's there or not. Uh, we did want to ask you. Uh, we we always talk about the the platforms that athletes have and how we use them. The women's soccer team, in particular, um, sort of trailblazers from going back to the previous teams and the continued growth of women's sports. What's it like for you to be a role model for women and young girls and and people who are fans at that level? It's been truly an honor, and I think kind of each year you kind of learn about your your platform and how to grow. And I think. The most rewarding thing is talking to young girls about, you know, wanting to play in the NWSL or wanting to take our shoes. And that's a really rewarding part of the sport. Um, and it just kind of shows you the growth. I think even just watching how many girls um, are playing soccer um, in our country has grown as well. And that's really exciting. And um, across the entire world, I mean, I've, we've just seen growth everywhere. I mean, the most amazing thing about France was just some stats that we kept seeing in each and every country. Um Brazil, England, France, I mean, just the amount of people tuning in to watch um, and support and fans showing up is huge. The amount of sponsorships that want to be a part of it as well. This is so amazing to be able to think that you can be a part of something that you can really help kind of change and, and leave it better than where you where you kind of started. Um, obviously, soccer has been giving me so many amazing opportunities, and I, and I hope it um, has the possibility to give um, females um, all over the world, the same that same opportunity. What's what's it like to see kids 
wearing uh, a U.S. jersey with your name on the back of it. Does that ever get it old when you see that? Old. No, it never does. I think I'm still in like shock. Um, Want to see that? Um, you know, when I first started, they didn't sell jerseys with our name and number on there, and now they do. And even just that growth is so cool to be in a store and see it, and just. You know, you can choose any any player on the team to wear, and and for someone to choose mine, it's it's really um, it's really special, and it, it, that feeling never goes away. I love seeing it. I get the same feeling when I go into the stadium and see people wearing '86 jerseys, and um, yeah, it's every time I'm sitting in the stands, um, or if I'm on the field and I look up in the stands and see mine, it's it's truly an honor and um, a really cool moment to have. You mentioned Zach Stubber. How's he handling the fact you have bragging rights on titles now? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think maybe because I'm in the lead, apparently, uh, is what everyone's saying, that I just don't realize it. Um, But, I mean, I'm sure it's more motivation as well. I mean, Zach's always motivated wanting to have, um, you know, to do well and have the team do well. So, I bet uh, you. I don't know. Maybe maybe secretly it does, but he didn't really tell me. I bet you're leading in jersey sales, too. <laughs> She's going to go check the numbers after we get That's off the right. call. Although I do have to say, and we've talked about this on air, is is that it is very hard for guys to get a women's player's jersey. Jeff is lobbying for you to That's have right. them more available. And I have suggested this because I, th- I know that there are... are boys out there that w- will also be wearing those jerseys. Absolutely. Absolutely. I did want to yeah, ask. That's awesome. I, I think did... this was the first year they sold men, they sold men's jerseys. Uh, Fanatics actually uh, started selling them and, and a lot of people went crazy out of excitement. So that was really cool too to see. That, even just people just voice that. Like that's really cool. That sport in general is awesome. I don't know if you guys heard in the stadium when you were playing in the, the championship game, uh, one of the big issues for you has been the fight for equal pay. Could you hear the fans in the stadium chanting for it? And, and what's that been like for you to have that platform and, and fight for equality on that level for yourself? Yeah, that was, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, obviously, from celebrating and kind of hearing that, and that kind of just goes on the support um, both on and off the field that we've had. But we kind of recognize the power that we have um, in this moment. And obviously, in the world, um, been asked for a lot of kind of change to grow and um, kind of put a spotlight on the issue for women in general. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's ongoing, obviously it's a continued thing, but, um, that's kind of what we're trying to do is grow, grow, grow it and on and off the field. In, in addition to, to being a role model in that way, uh, you also have the Earth's foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about how that got started and, and, and where that passion came from? Yeah. Oh, it's been, thank you for asking. That's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, just obviously kind of through our career, we've always wanted to try and figure out how we can give back to the communities that have given us so much. And um, a bunch of the Eagles actually went down. I was in camp, so I couldn't go. But uh, Carson Wentz took a bunch of a bunch of the guys down to Haiti, and um, that kind of jump-started everything. Zach, you know, just felt was so moved by the people and was like, we need to we need to do more in our communities as well. We have the platform. Let's let's give back. And obviously, kids have a near and dear to our hearts. So. Our foundation really gives, um, you know, raises money to give opportunities, sports and education opportunities to kids in our area. And so, um, obviously, the Bay Area, what's uh, where he grew up and went to school. That's where I went to school. And of course, Philly. Like Philly's opened up, like given their, you know, opened up with wide arms to us and to give back. And we have some really exciting news um, this coming week to hopefully make a huge impact in that community as well. 
Well, we look forward to covering it. We always welcome you back. If there's any way we can help publicizing the efforts with the foundation. Also, we'll keep raising efforts about what you all doing with the women's soccer team. And we expect we expect a great celebration when you score that goal at the link on August 29th. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be there watching. Uh, we really appreciate okay, the time. We appreciate the time so much, and thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a go great one. I always enjoy getting to go back and listen to some of the interviews that we've had along the way. And when you said this morning, do we want to revisit it? I'm like, my first thought was, oh, I have to find it because a couple of years ago. But my second thought was, that's a really good idea because the interview with her wasn't just about what it was like to be called the champion. It was, it was what it meant to her to use the platform that she had. And if you look at athletes, um, she did that both on her own and then together with the Earth Foundation with, with her and Zach Ertz and the work that they did here. And to watch her go out last night, they tried to get her a goal. They kept feeding her the ball, but she, she got the, the respect she deserved from the fans. And it was cool to see. You, you, you like to see when athletes give their all for a team or a country um, that, that they get rewarded at the end. And, and that was good to see. She, she has been such a huge part. You know, a lot of people talk about Megan Rapinoe, Carly Lloyd, obviously stars of that team. But Julie Ertz in the middle of that team was so important for so long. And it's, as you saw from this World Cup, it's going to be really hard to replace all three of those people. And, and Julie, in addition to everything she's done on the pitch for so long, was such a large part and is such a large part of any community she's ever in. And, you know, that's, that's what we've always tried to focus on with the people that we have on. And there are many people that epitomize it any better than Julie Ertz has. I hope that the next generation of athletes realize the the platform and opportunity that they have, because the Julie Ertz generation truly did, you know, people can agree or disagree about the issues they chose to take stands on, but they took stands. They believed in those things, and they used the platforms they had to do it. I just hope that the athletes that go forward realize the same opportunities that they have to make a difference in someone's life or to use the platform to raise awareness for something else. They took stands, and they never wavered, which is even more impressive. When you're in that kind of position, which that kind of spotlight on you, it, it's very easy to after taking a position and getting criticized for it to kind of back down because you need to or there's money involved or whatever they never did julie never did no and look in the end all of women in sports will benefit from what they did with their fight for equal pay so we can talk about the results on the field uh it's the results off the field as much and and there are people that say stick to sports those athletes did not You know, you talk about equal pay. We just finished with the U.S. Open. And and what did you see with the U.S. Open on the court? Talking about the history of equal pay. And 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 so I just like Billie Jean King did for tennis and Martina Navratilova did for tennis. Julie Ertz and that whole crew put a spotlight on it for team sports in a way that probably had never been done before. And look, you're seeing it across women's sports. I mean, we've only got two minutes left, but the women's tennis final outdrew the men's tennis final. The WNBA's in their playoffs now. Their league attendance ended up 16% this year. Their ratings, they, they're up 27% from a year ago. And it's not just that they're getting the ratings. It's that the ratings lead to more opportunities 
more opportunities lead to more awareness. More awareness leads to more ratings. So part of the problem was people would say, we can't give you contracts because you don't get the ratings, but they never gave them the contract to give them the opportunity to get it. Now they're starting to deliver the ratings and the advertisers will follow. Do you think the next is for the WNBA? Do you think that becomes the next place where there's trailblazers? It seems, look, you're starting to get investment from, I always remember like the Lakers showtime back in the early 80s and and like, you know, seeing games at the Garden or even when the Sixers in, in the playoffs. You're seeing that with the women's sports now. You're seeing celebrities go to the game. You're seeing these men's basketball athletes courtside celebrating with the athletes. And yeah, I think that these women are the next trailblazers out there. You know, we've talked about it in different interviews with people. Women having women to look up to is just as important as women playing. And that's what you're starting to have here. And so hopefully you see a generation that has somebody that looks like them, whatever they look like to look up to. Well, look, you're starting to see that in the NWSL and how important it is that there is women ownership in a women's sport. That's going to be the last word for this week. Thanks so much for joining. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one and you'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. 